It's good to be with you guys uh, today. My name is Ben Seaman. I serve on staff here as our lead minister, and we are excited and thrilled that you're here. If this is your first uh, Sunday experience with us, welcome. We are, we're so excited that you're here. Uh, what, what we invite our church to do uh, every weekend is just take a moment to grab this program. It's either in the chair seat back in front of you or one of our volunteers gave it to you. Uh, this is an opportunity that we ask our entire church, whether you've been here for 17 years or this is your first Sunday, to go ahead and rip off the perforated connect card at the bottom. We'd love to grab your name and email, and if we can pray for you about anything, nothing's too big or small, we would, we would love to do that. We've got a great prayer team. Our staff prays for you. So go ahead and uh, rip that card off and fill it out. If this is your first Sunday, go ahead and hold on to that card. And on your way out, uh, drop it off at our connection point. It's the big yellow wall uh, surrounded by the two iPad stands. One of our connection point uh, volunteers would be happy uh, to give, uh, take that card and give you a gift. It's just a small way to say thanks for coming and checking us out. So as you guys are doing that right now, uh, I want to celebrate a few things in the life of our church uh, we believe that, that being a generous church is a big deal uh, to Jesus, and being a generous person is, is a really big deal. And so well, we're going to talk about our local and global impact uh, this weekend. Uh, yesterday, we hosted our 10th annual Salem 5K Fest. want to give a shout out. Yeah. Give it up. Give a shout out to uh, all of our volunteers and runners. I didn't know this, but you can actually be a guidepost and stand and point people where to go. I would have ran more 5Ks had I known that you can participate in that way. Uh, thank you, guys. We, we don't do this just to do it. We want to be a generous church, and generosity means uh, creating margin with our finances, but also with our time and our ability to serve. When we create margin in our lives, we uh, allow Jesus, we give him permission to expand his kingdom here. But that only happens if a church says yes. We want to say yes to as many opportunities as possible. We're also uh, excited today, friends. Tim and Alicia Stewart are here. Yes. From, uh, from, from Missions of Hope, uh, Tim will be our, be our, our guest uh, communicator. I said best communicator. So that, that's a tall order. And he's going to uh, give us an update of what the Lord's doing uh, with uh, his ministry in, in Africa. They're just an awesome couple. I encourage you to get to know them after service. And there are a few next steps that, uh, if, uh, that I'm sure Tim will, will talk about, and I want to address that now and at the end of service, uh, that we have um, uh, an, an opportunity to sponsor uh, children through this ministry. You probably saw it on your way in. And so we want to encourage you to do that either this weekend or the next weekend. You'll have two opportunities uh, to do that. Also uh, at our table uh, as you're exiting uh, our facility is a sign-up sheet. And, and it's just an information, okay? If you're curious about what God's up to and what Tim says is connecting your heart, uh, we are planning our 2019 mission trip uh, to, to Africa. So if you are interested in that, okay? We're, we're not saying if, if your name's on the piece of paper, you're committed to life. But if you're interested in hearing more about that, uh, the Martins would love to follow up with you and, and kind of get you uh, in the know of what the Lord uh, is going to have us do in, in 2019. So, man, as, as, a, as a staff member and just as a, as a regular attender here, thank you for being a generous church. You guys, this, 
this room is already filling up because you won't stop inviting friends. Uh, that, that is awesome. Right? I just love the fact that you're generous, not with just your finances, but with your time and your conversations. In just a moment, I'm going to uh, pray and collect the offering. You can drop your Connect cards in the offering baskets. If you're new, hold on to that guy until after service. And after I pray, uh, there'll be a video of Tim and Alicia's ministry that you can see, and then Tim will come up and continue our sermon series, Jesus is the Light of the World. Jesus, thanks so much for an opportunity to gather together. Uh, I, I appreciate um, just in your divine calendar that uh, the, the worship was just phenomenal, just, just reflective. Uh, and for me personally, it, it's just been a crazy busy week, and it was nice to gather together with my brothers and sisters and sing songs that affirm who you are as our God, but also that, that, you're, that you will always be faithful to us even uh, as we often walk away and look for loves uh, less wild than you. Lord, thank you for that. We can also say we love you with our finances. And Lord, I thank you for the, the men and women that are creating margin for a larger margin of mission that we might impact uh, our Salem community and the county and the surrounding areas. Lord, we pray for Tim as he comes and speaks. May you speak through him in a, in a powerful way. Uh, we, Holy Spirit, we invite you into this room. Uh, we give you permission to encourage us, uh, challenge us, reprimand us, whatever it is that you want to do, we invite you into this space uh, right now. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Good morning, Rockingham Christian Church. My name is Tim Stewart, and I'm with my lovely wife, Alicia, and it is a great joy for us to be here with you this morning. Uh, we landed in America a couple of weeks ago and have gotten to spend a little bit of time with family. And, uh, and we get to come out and spend some time with you all. Uh, Alicia and I began this crazy journey with Missions of Hope. Uh, Mary and Wallace, who you saw on the screen, are the founders and executive directors of uh, Missions of Hope. Uh, it's a Kenyan-led NGO, and we uh, just, they, sh shared, they started with a small dream. Uh, Mary went into the slums and just was overwhelmed by the need. And she's just grown uh, from that. And in 2007, uh, our, our home church, Westside Christian Church, uh, was introduced to, to Missions of Hope. And Alicia and I have been praying about what it was God wanted for us to do. And so uh, this introduction to Missions of Hope led us to do an internship for two months, June and July, with a bunch of college kids uh, in 2008. And we fell in love with the ministry and the work that was happening in the slums of Nairobi, Kenya. And so we ended up moving there in March of 2012. So we've been there a little over six and a half years uh, working alongside uh, the over 900 Kenyan staff now uh, that work within Missions of Hope. And there's about 15 of us missionaries that work there full time and just get to, to continue to breathe life and light into the slums of Mathari Valley and even out into the rural communities within Kenya. Uh, like I said, Missions of Hope started in Mathari Valley Slum. Uh, I don't know if you know much about the slums. Um, they're kind of different all over the world, and they're kind of the same all over the world. Uh, Mathari Valley is about three miles long and a little bit narrower than half a mile, so a little bit bigger than one square mile total, and it houses 800 to a million people uh, coming and going out of that area. And a lot of people live in a 6 by 6 to 10 by 10 uh, shanty is what they're called, and it's just a little tin room, uh, nothing in it, no 
running water. Uh, sometimes there's jerry-rigged electricity that they've tapped into the main poles and brought in, and you never know what wiring is, and sometimes fires come out of that. Uh, sometimes some people die because they mess around with that electricity. But uh, there's no plumbing, just basic services that we think of are not available for the people in the slums. And so one of the things we joke about is watch out for the flying toilets. And a flying toilet is you don't have anywhere to go to the bathroom, uh, so you find a little plastic bag and take care of business in the house and just chuck it out the window and so, or the door. And so you got to watch out for what you're stepping on or what might be flying uh, out the door as it makes that little whizzing sound as it comes flying. Um, but yeah, there's no, there's, they're starting to build some in infrastructure, but still, uh, the slums are the slums because poverty reigns. Uh, Satan has a grip on uh, people in such a way that it just keeps them in squalor. And they just uh, have to jump over it, live in it, and uh, the guilt and shame and everything that comes with it. It's uh, extremely impoverished. And now we're expanding out into some rural areas, and, and the difficulties and challenges there are much different. Uh, but they still struggle uh, with meeting basic needs for life. And so uh, Missions of Hope is working to address uh, the needs. And as you heard in that video, uh, there's over 16,000. I think we're getting closer to 17,000 kids in school and providing basic health care. The microfinance program now uh, services over 4,500 clients with a portfolio of a little over a million U.S. dollars uh, trying to economically empower and bring some cash into these communities where cash isn't available and change people's lives and change their director trajectory and to empower them to be able to pay their school fee their child's school fees and take some ownership uh, one of the great things about sponsorship uh, you'll be given that opportunity is that it's a top-up we want the parents to take ownership for the child so we ask something of the parents but they can't do it on their own so it's just a way for us to come alongside these families that are in dire straits and help uh, pull them up and give them an opportunity and so missions of hope does this holistically all in the name of Jesus and sharing and hoping that we're overcoming the obstacles that people have to saying yes to Jesus. Because there's a whole lot of obstacles that we give as to why we can't serve right now, why we can't say yes, why we can't follow, why we can't obey what God's calling us to do. Because obstacles are always there. And so uh, we, we look at those obstacles that are common and say, how can we break those barriers down so that people... Uh, feel free to say yes and are excited about saying yes to a life in Christ. When I saw the video, one of the, the baptism is a really unique thing in Kenya because like I was saying, there's not a whole lot of infrastructure. So most people, unless they live by a creek or river, have never been underwater. And so when you baptize somebody, it is almost like a literal death. And sometimes it even takes a couple of people, one on each side, to get them fully submersed because they're fighting it with all they have because they, they've never had their face underwater. And so it's just one of those uh, neat things to experience and the joy that comes out of that and the, the life that we see given. Um, again, it, it's great to be with you this morning. Uh, we are talking about Jesus is the light of the world. And if we look at um, John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus uh, himself, he tells us, 
When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And so he gives us, he sets it up a little bit. He says, he is the light of life. I don't know if you recognize that first two words, I am. It refers back to he and the Father. When uh, God told Moses, I am. Uh, He is saying, I am with God. I am the light of the world. That he was um, on the same purpose and same thing, and that he is the one that brings light. If we go back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, uh, just as a reminder, uh, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So here in Genesis 1, we even hear this mention of darkness as well. There was a darkness. It was formless. It was void. It was kind of empty. There wasn't anything going on. It was just there. Uh, So the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night, and there was evening, and there was morning the first day. So even from the very beginning, we see this idea of light and darkness. And that it was formless and void and darkness. And Jesus and John is telling us, I am the light. Um, I am the way. And so for me, when I got to thinking about this, um, recently when we travel from Kenya uh, to America, one of the, the things we have to do, the journey is long, of course, but one of the things we have to do is usually lay over in Europe somewhere. And so when Alicia and I are doing this, sometimes we say, hey, we're stepping out of Kenya and we're going back to family. So where is the time for us? Let's take a few days in Europe, have a little time for us, uh, and get to see some pretty cool things. And so this year we stopped in Italy. And one of the things we did in Italy was we went and saw one of the Roman aquifers. Uh, They're pretty well known for their history of being able to bring water from miles and miles away in these aquifers. And this one was underground, under the city of Naples. And we got into this tunnel, and it was dark, and it was about 150 feet deep. And this darkness, you're walking through there, and you're just thinking, man, it's dark. And they would talk about how there would be cleaners that came and cleaned it to make sure the mildew and the algae and stuff didn't grow and all that stuff and it's how they would get trapped sometimes in this this darkness and then we came to this one spot where it gets really narrow and and i i had to have my feet like this and i'm standing like this trying to shuffle through this little aquifer and the before we got in there they said if you're if you're afraid if you don't think you'll make it if you don't like tight spaces this might not be the space for you. you. You might just want to stay over here and wait for us to come back. We'll be back in a little bit. Um, and there were a few people that took them up on that. But for us, it was one of those things where it was like, there's an adventure, there's something there, but it's still gripping. It still tests us. Uh, I think we know uh, what it's like to be in darkness, where, where we're surrounded, where there's that heaviness, where there's a little oppression, where we're unsure what's coming next, where are we going. I've not been there before. There's a challenge to that. And so I heard someone else explain it this way, uh, that it's the same kind of feeling if you're on a train or in a car. I don't know if you've been through one of those long tunnels that goes through a mountain 
and you're in this tunnel and you're about halfway there and it's dark in front of you and it's dark behind you. You're, you're feeling stuck. It's just kind of this awkward situation. Uh, they were like, there's three ways to respond. The first one is you get scared. You're, you fear it. And so you're kind of scared of where you are. You're not sure. Um, the other response might be that you fight it. And, and so you're like angry. You get resentful. You start blaming. Uh, you're bitter about it. I'm in this spot, and I can't get out, and there's no hope, and I'm just, I'm afraid of it, and we just get stuck. And so the, that's another response that we might have to being in this heavy, dark spot. Or the third place is sometimes we could follow it, and we just say, I know what's coming. I know there's something at the end of this tunnel, and I'm going to just keep following and working my way through it until I get there. And when we were in Italy, we get about halfway through that tunnel, and it, this, is, this is why it resonated with me so much, because that was so true. About halfway through, we had a little candle, and we have our hand on the person in front of your shoulder just to make sure you don't get lost, because it was that dark. You, could, you couldn't see anything. And about halfway you're there, you're like, I've gone too far to go backwards, but I, I'm tired of being in this space, and I don't really want to keep going forward. Who knows how much longer there is. Uh, and then you come around the corner and there's a room with some light and that light keeps pulling you towards it. And so uh, it just resonated for me in that moment, just uh, what that darkness was like. I want to share a story with you about when we were interns, uh, we got to do home visits. And one of the great things uh, I love about Rockingham is your heart to come and join us in ministry. Uh, you've been to Kenya a couple of times as a church. You've sent some people as a church. And we've loved doing ministry with uh, you in Kenya. Uh, so when I talk about home visits, some of you know what I'm talking about. But when we go into a home, we went into a home one time, and this lady, uh, the lady's home we were in, we're talking with her, and over in the corner there's another lady just sitting there, being quiet, not really saying much. She's kind of just blending in and... Um, I don't know what got into me at that moment, but I looked at her and said, uh, at the time, HIV AIDS was a big deal, and I looked at her and said, what is your status? What is your HIV AIDS status? And that's a big faux pas. You're not supposed to do that. I don't know where that came from. It just came out of me. And so she, she looks at us, and she said, I'm positive, and just starts crying. And then she said, my children are also positive. And I told my husband, and he took off immediately. And I just don't know. Uh, life's just not worth living. I've condemned us all to a death sentence by having HIV AIDS. And it was just this moment for her where she was in that tunnel. She was in that darkness. It had a full grip on her. And she didn't have any hope of going anywhere else. And uh, we... We prayed a lot, and we shared a few words about who Jesus is and this promise that he gives us that he is the light of the world and that we can have hope in him. And out of that, um, she said yes, and she started to accept Jesus, and her, her whole demeanor changed, and a smile came, and a, a peace came over her as she began to believe in who Jesus was and that he was there with her in that time. Uh, a couple of things that I really noticed uh, out of that situation, out of that, uh, out of that 
encounter with this lady? Um, well, she ended up going and finding other women that were in the same situation she was. They built a little small group. They started uh, praying together and singing together and sharing stories and holding each other accountable and, and working together. Uh, that lady, when we went, we did the internship. We went back four years later. We ran her into her in the hallway, and she physically looked strong. Her kids were in school. She had a beaming smile, and life was good. Um, and out of that, there were a couple of things that really uh, stuck out for me. The first one is that every dark night is an opportunity for God to draw us near. In 1 Peter 4.19, it says, So then, those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful Creator and continue to do good. Uh, God isn't saying that we're not going to suffer. Uh, this week, I, I've heard in the area there was some homes that were lost. People are suffering. Uh, I know of families who have elderly parents that are walking through a challenging time. I, I'm sure there's addiction and substance abuse issues that we know people that are struggling with. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that this impacts us. Our family, our relationship with our spouses or our kids isn't where we want us to be or there's something at work that's tearing at us and we just feel like we're stuck or we, we feel like we're in this dark space. And God says, so then that those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. Somehow, I, I don't know how God does this, but in those moments where we struggle, and those moments where the bags of junk that we're carrying, God, when we rely on Him, when we put ourselves in a soft heart and position ourselves before Him, He changes that into something good. And He draws us to Himself in a way that only He can do. When we bring it into the light, when we share, when we uh, trust Him, He uses that. And so, uh, just to encourage you, and what I saw in that lady when she drew that out, when she was honest and open about what was going on, he used that and was able to turn it into something beautiful. The second thing I saw was God wants to use you to help others. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3-5, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. So this isn't something that's just supposed to stay with me. Yes, uh, Jesus is the light. He has given us something that brings comfort, that restores, that renews, that changes what has been bad into something good, but it's not just for us. We are instructed to go and share that with someone else that's in the same spot we might have been in. Uh, to encourage them, to serve them, to love them, to be the light that Jesus uh, has given us. One of the great, great analogies for this uh, I've heard throughout my whole life, and it always resonates, is uh, the moon. It generates no light on its own. It's a reflection of the light of the sun. But how nice it is when there's a full moon, how much brighter it is and easier it is to navigate and to know. And we get to be that, and we get to show that comfort, we get to reflect the love that Jesus has shown us. And so, uh, I've got a, another video I'd like to show you of some of our students, and what, what it means to share that love.
name is Virginia Mwangi. I am 11 years old. I live in Nairobi, Kenya with my mom, sisters and brothers. I live in this land my whole life. Most kids like me do not go to school. Their moms can't pay school fees or buy books or uniforms. They have nothing to do. Their dreams don't go beyond these streets. I have a sponsor that changed everything. I get to go to a missions of hope school every day. I love my teachers and my friends. I learn about things like how a tree grows and how to write stories. I learn about God and many stories from the Bible. I love Jesus and I love singing songs to Him. I eat good food at school. My favorite food is rice. I learn how to be healthy so that I can teach my mom to be healthy too. When I grow up, I want to be a doctor so that I can help people. I know I can do it. I know that I will grow tall and strong. our social worker. He checks in on our family. He got my mom a job. My life is much better being in school. I'm growing and learning about the world. I hope that every kid in the slums can go to school, have purpose and dream big dreams. My name is Virginia Mwangi. I know that Jesus loves me and I have hope for my future. I hope you can see the transformation that takes place when somebody understands and takes to heart what Jesus says, that he is the light of the world. There's a hope beyond what we can even imagine. There's a way for us to shine that, to share that, to take that out to the world. Uh, one of the things I love about Missions of Hope is we start with one person and then work to the family and the communities. And I believe that's applicable for us here in America as well, is that it starts with us and who we are being drawn to and how we are serving God, letting the light uh, shine in us and then taking 
who we are in our families, in our community, in our schools, and who we are to the rest of the world in a larger way. So it's been a huge blessing. I want to leave us with this thought. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 5, it says, The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The light shines and it defeats the darkness. May you uh, keep fighting and living, uh, letting Jesus be the light of your life.